0: This podcast is produced by Clarence Valley Community Church. If you benefit from our ministry and you would like to support us, details can be found at our website, cvcc.com.au. There you can also find out more details about our church. We're going to be reading from that parable uh, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I also invite you to turn ahead in your Bible to Mark chapter 10, verse 21. And Jesus looked at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven And come follow me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word today, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand the gravity of these words, Lord. The the, the great treasure that you are. The great treasure that it is to seek first your kingdom and its righteousness, Lord. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would give us great understanding and uh, great desire to follow after you with all of our heart, Lord. And I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here today who has not found you as the greatest treasure of their lives, Lord. I pray that you would save their soul and, and reveal yourself to them in such a powerful way that they would truly follow you with all their heart, Lord. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In this passage, Jesus tells us what the kingdom of God is like. He tells us it is like a treasure hidden in a field that a man found and covered up and then he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. For that is what the kingdom of God is like. The man in this parable, the, the, he found something that was of greater value than everything else that he had. And he was willing to give it up for the sake of that treasure. Have you found anything in your life that you are willing to sell all that you have, and give up everything else to gain? Well, that is what this man found. He found something he was willing to do that for. And the other question would be, uh, what are you living for in your life? Is there anything in your life that you'd be willing to give full devotion, full service, and even if need be, give your life for? This is what this man found. Jesus in the parable is teaching the people about the kingdom of God. God's invisible kingdom in which one may enter through faith in Jesus. You know, the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, explains the motivation of his life. If you turn in your Bible to Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, Paul speaks, has just spoken about his past life, the things that he had in this world, and then he says in verse 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And then he goes on in verse 8, and he says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Is there anything in your life which you would be willing to say, I count everything else as rubbish in comparison to that one thing? He goes on in verse 9, he says that he wants to be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of his own that comes through the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And he says he wants to know him, that is Christ, and the power of his resurrection, and that he may share in his sufferings and become like him, even in his death. This was the motivation of Paul's life. This is what happened to him when he found Christ. You know, Paul was once a Pharisee. He was a respected leader within Israel. He had a status, he had a position in this world. He was a Jew. He considered himself part of God's chosen people, God's covenant people. And outwardly, he lived a, a moral life. As a Pharisee, he seemed to be blameless. As a Pharisee, he seemed to be in right standing with God. But everything changed one day for Paul. It changed on the day in which he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Paul was willing to give up all and count it all loss, even to consider it as rubbish that he might gain Christ. Paul's greatest treasure was to know Jesus Christ. Paul was like this man in the parable who was not looking for the treasure but stumbled across it. The man in the field wasn't looking for treasure, he was going about his way and he stumbled upon this treasure and he found it and then he went away and sold all that he had so that he could buy that field because in that field contained The most important thing in his life. When Jesus called Paul he forsook everything and followed him. What about the disciples? What about the early followers of Jesus? If you turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 4 verse 18, we see the calling of the first disciples of Jesus. Uh, In verse 18, uh, chapter 4, verse 18, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. These men were willing to forsake all. They left their job, their career, their family. They left their father in the boat. Immediately they left. When they saw the treasure that was Christ and they heard the call of Christ, they left everything behind because knowing him was more important to them than anything else. They saw his value. Have you discovered this in Jesus? Have you found the treasure that is Christ? Do you know a Jesus that is so valuable to you, that is more valuable to you than your money, than your possessions, than anything else, than even family and friends? The kingdom of God and Jesus is worth more than anything else. And unless you are convinced of this, you're utterly convinced that he's worth more, that he's greater than anything else, you won't live your life for him. You will live your life to accumulate possessions, to accumulate status, to to save up for things that ultimately are dust. For what is your house and your car and your possessions and anything you own but dust? One day it will be dust. But those things that you store up in heaven, as in the second story of the young man, Jesus said that he lacked one thing. and What was it that he lacked? He lacked a full commitment and devotion to God and Christ. And he said, build your treasure in heaven, give up your riches, give up your wealth, give it all up and gain treasure in heaven. Because that will last for eternity. Now, I don't want to mislead you today. I don't want to imply or cause you to think that you can gain the kingdom of God by your own sacrifice, by your own devotion, by your own merit. Because that would be false. That is not how it works in the kingdom of God. And that is definitely not the case. The response of the man who sold all was a response to what he had found. He responded to finding that great treasure. And Paul also, likewise, when he found Christ, he wasn't seeking Christ, Christ appeared to him. When Christ called Paul and he saw his sinfulness, he saw the treasure that was Christ, he saw the salvation in Jesus, it was as a response to the glory and goodness of Christ that he was willing to forsake all, that he was willing to leave all behind. Now, these men... Uh, and the apostles, they loved him more than anything else because they had come to know the love that Jesus Christ had for them. If you turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, John describes this love. You know, John was one of those four men who came to follow Christ on that very first day. He describes love. He says, in this is love. Note there, he's telling us what love is. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is how we understand the love of God. You know, many today will speak of the love of God, and for them, the love of God is an emotional feeling. It is something, a fuzzy, warm feeling that you get when you... You think of like almost like romantic love. But the love that's described here is a love of God and Jesus Christ for sinners. It is the love of, of God who, whom we have sinned against, who overlooked our sins, who, who sent Jesus Christ and, and had our sins laid upon Him as a propitiation so that we could be reconciled to Him. You know, back in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul said that he was willing to give up everything to know Jesus and to be found in Jesus, not having his own righteousness, but a righteousness that comes from God by faith in Jesus. This treasure of righteousness, if we read again in verse 9, chapter 3, verse 9, "...and be found in him." not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. God in Christ sought reconciliation with people. He looked down upon the world in love and saw our sin, our lostness, our alienation from him, and he sent him to save Sinners like you and me. When Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, for the first time in his life, he came to know his sinfulness. For when he saw Christ, pure light, pure uh, Son of God, he, he saw in Christ his own sinfulness and Christ's righteousness. And he realized he could not earn his place in the kingdom of God. That it was only through faith in God's Son and that he could be saved. That only in Jesus Christ, in the sacrifice made upon the cross for sinners, when Jesus became a sin offering, a substitute for sinners, taking upon himself the wrath of God, the wrath of Paul, the the wrath that Paul deserved to take upon a cross. When Paul saw that. Paul saw Christ as his treasure. And the reason why many do not see Christ as their ultimate treasure and are unwilling to follow him with their whole lives is because they have not yet come to know him who loved them and saved them from their sin. Because in that is love. You see, we love him because he first loved us. And if we understand how much he has loved us, then we'll be willing to forsake all for him. You remember the story of the woman who poured the oil on Jesus' feet? She poured the oil on his feet and and the Pharisee said, you know, if Jesus knew what kind of woman this was, he wouldn't let her touch his feet. And Jesus said, "The the one who has been forgiven much loves much. The one who understands their sinfulness, who understands the love of Christ for them and how much he has taken their sin, loves much. When I look back in my life and the sins that I've committed, you know, before I became a Christian, I, I, I lived an ungodly life. I lived a very sinful life. I won't go into the details of that, but, but Jesus Christ saved me. And the moment I came to know that love of Christ, I was willing to leave behind friend, family, and anything else because of the treasure that I had found. Many have not experienced this true life. Many have not experienced this true relationship with God because they've not yet seen their need for reconciliation with God. For to have the Son is to have life. If you have the Son, if you have Jesus Christ, you have true life. But if you do not have the Son, you do not have life at all. If you don't have him, all you're living for is dust. All you're living for is that which is temporary. All you're living for that which is fading, which, which as James says, your life is like a vapor that is here in a moment and then is gone. What are you living for? Who are you living for? What are you seeking to accumulate? Where are you building your treasure? The kingdom of God is eternal. It is enduring. To live for him and to know him is greater than anything else this world can offer you. This is the reason we went to Nepal. This is the true reason because we came to know the love God has for us and He's glorified in our eyes. And we wanted the people of Nepal to see Him and know Him as the most valuable thing that they could gain, but they do not have access to Him. They do not have access to the gospel. You know, the people of Nepal do not know the hope of Christ. They don't know His loving sacrifice for sinners. They are enslaved to millions and millions of gods. They're enslaved to the worship of idols. They're enslaved to fear constantly. They don't know this loving Savior. They don't know this loving God. And many of them will be born. Listen to this. Many of them will be born, die and never come to know Jesus and end up in hell. Not because salvation is not offered, but because they never heard it. No one went to them and tell, told them the gospel. If you truly believe what the Bible teaches, that they must hear the gospel and respond in faith to Christ, they must know the name of Christ to call upon Him, if people do not call upon Him, they will be lost. They will perish in their sin. The man in the parable did not seek the kingdom. He stumbled upon it. Paul, on the road to Damascus, was not seeking Christ, but Christ sought him. And Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is seeking out his sheep. He said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. He's the good shepherd who seeks out his sheep. And we are called, as the church, To share with Christ in the ministry of seeking and saving his lost sheep. That is the call of the church. We gather them alongside Christ. We have come to know the shepherd. We have found the treasure. And we desire that they too will come to know him as their treasure. And I also wish for you to know him today. If you have not come to know this Christ, the Christ who is worthy of leaving all for? You haven't come to know Him as you yet ought, because He is truly worthy. It's not by your own work. It's not by your own performance. It's simply by trusting upon Jesus Christ as Savior, looking upon Him at the cross. That's how it happens. That's how it works. It's simple faith. Trusting in His righteous work. Trusting in His sacrifice upon the cross. That is the way of salvation. Not anything we can do. But as a response to that love, as a response to those who have received it, we are willing to give up all for Him because He died for us. We're willing to give all for Him because of what He's given us. You know, in John chapter 3, Jesus met a religious Pharisee like Paul. In John chapter 3, Uh, And Jesus explained to him the way to enter the kingdom of God. And in John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus speaking to this man, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This man was a religious leader. He was outwardly righteous. He was living according to the Old Testament law. And yet Jesus says to him, You need to be born again. You cannot even see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. And then in verse 5, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of Spirit is Spirit. And then in verse 7, he says, Do not marvel that I say, you must be born again. Don't marvel at this. This is the way of salvation. You must be born again. You must be made a new creation through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's not enough to attend church. It's not enough to pray prayers. It's not enough to go through the motions. You know, there are many people who have, been, you know, who have grown up in church. I didn't grow up in church, but there are many who have grown up in church and they've become so accustomed to going, attending church, praying prayers, giving offerings, so many things, but they get to be born again. This is one of the big problems we have in Nepal uh, in the second generation of Christians, there are so many, so much nominal Christians. So many of them don't even know the gospel. So many of them aren't even born again, and yet they attend church as part of their ritual. They've exchanged going to the temple to going to church. And that's how many I see in the West also have exchanged. Yeah, we don't go to the club, we don't party, but we go to church. But they're not born again. They're not made new creations in Christ Jesus explains to him the way of salvation in verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. If you live for the temporary, if you live for the earthly, you will perish with that temporary and that earthly If you live for the eternal and heavenly kingdom, entering through faith in Jesus the King, you will live. My encouragement today is to turn away from that which is vain, that which is earthly, that which is sinful, and follow Jesus who died for sinners. He is able to grant you eternal life. He is able to give you forgiveness of sin so that you may enter his eternal kingdom. That's my plea to you today. If you have not, do not yet know Christ, if you do know Christ, then my exhortation, encouragement for you today is follow him with all your heart. Don't live for the temporary. Don't live for that which will fade. Find out what it is that God has called you to do in your life and follow it with all your heart because you will never regret it. You will never regret living for him. He's never let me down, not one time whatsoever. Anytime we put our faith in Him, anytime we've asked Him, anytime we've done the thing which we believe He's called us to do, He's always come through. He's always faithful. I can testify to that very clearly today. So let me pray for us and then we'll finish. If you have a question or something about the ministry, please feel free to come and ask me, talk to me. I'd love to share with you about our work in Nepal, Uh, but I don't want to keep you any longer. So let's uh, pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time, uh, Lord, in your word. And I pray for all those who are here today, Lord. If there's any who do not yet know you, Lord, any who have not come to know you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that you would save their soul today, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you would call um, many uh, into your service, Lord, to make your gospel known. Uh, to those people around them, Father, that they would live for that which is eternal, live for that which is enduring, Lord, and that you would help us all to be willing to give up whatever it is we have for the sake of the kingdom of God, Lord, because that will last forever. So, Lord, I thank you for this, uh, these people, Lord, these dear people, Lord, and uh, for my brothers for this opportunity, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.